Welcome to Lighthouse Chapel International, Columbus, Ohio. We invite you to discover the life-changing anointed Word of God as you listen to this message by Reverend Gilbert Asamoah. Reverend Gilbert Asamoah is a well-seasoned minister who serves as the General Overseer of the Raccoon Diocese in Lighthouse Chapel International, USA. Founded by Bishop Dag Heward Mills with over 1,800 branches worldwide. Join us for a life-changing experience as you listen to this message. Let's welcome up stage uh, Reverend Gilbert Asamoah. Amen! Hallelujah to you, King of Glory. We adore you, Lord. We magnify you, Lord. We lift your name up, O God. Come and ring in our midst, O God. Come and transport us to heavenly glory. Come and lift we up bring you our worship. Reignite our faith, O God. statements of a can-do man. 25 statements of a can-do man. So the can-do man is a person of faith. Hallelujah. We are Christians. We are believers. So we are not talking about natural willpower and abilities. Hallelujah. We are talking about a change in our mindset into an arena where we have a quest to achieve and pursue based on our faith in God so that we refuse to quit and we refuse to say it cannot happen. There is, there is a, a certain aspect of this that they say, um, you know, in the natural man, they, they, you, you can talk of willpower as in the natural person's Life, natural life. But you and I are Christians. So, so uh, before we continue, uh, we, we don't want to have the wrong impression that we are talking about the can-do man as in, um, you know, just being forceful. Because there is a place for being forceful in life. Amen. Yeah, you, you, you have to be forceful. But what we are saying is that 
the source of the strength and the fuel of this mindset that God is calling us into is our faith in God. Hallelujah. And so when you put it that way, then it ceases to be too intimidating. Because God is inviting us into a lifestyle that he himself operates in. Open with me to um, Romans chapter 4. Keeping in mind that God created us in his image. And as he created us in his image, there is, there is a nature of God that he wants to impart to us. Hallelujah. You know, children kind of watch their parents. Sometimes the manner is, if, you, if my brother in England comes here, when he's speaking, you will see that the way my gestures are, the way I talk and make my gestures, he's also like that. Because we probably copied it from our parents. Hallelujah. And so there is, there is a nature transfer or impartation that God gave us in the new creation when we became believers. But sometimes, sometimes something may be with you, but you can leave it because of places that you live. Hallelujah. And so in Romans chapter 4, let's take it from verse 15. We are still on the 25 statements of a can-do man. We will start revision very soon. Because the law brings about wrath. For where there is no law, there is no transgression. Verse 16. Therefore, it is of what? Faith. Faith. He's talking about what should govern our life and our relationship with God. And our experience in the areas of faith. That it might be according to grace. That the promise might be sure to all the seed. Or to all the descendants. Not only to those who are of the law. But also those who are of the faith of Abraham. Who is the father of us all. So pause there for a moment. When God called Abraham, he said, he said, I will bless you. And through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Hallelujah. Now, in the natural sense, if you look at the whole scenario of Ishmael, born to Hagar, who is an Egyptian, and um, because they, they, they could not wait for the promise to be realized, so they tried to help God. You know, Abraham and, and Sarah, they tried to help God to quicken the fulfillment of the promise. Amen. But then, not long after Ishmael was born, the Lord visited um, Sarah and she conceived. So now, the child of promise has been born junior to the child of the flesh. Amen. And there came a time that as Ishmael was, uh, Isaac was growing up, you know, he, he's, the, he's the oldest guy in the, in the, in the house, and he began to tease Isaac. And every now and then, Sarah would get a complaint that he's bothering me, he's bothering me, he's bothering me. Do you get it? And Abraham kept hearing complaints. But if you're Abraham, you'll be confused because both of them are your sons. Are you following? It came to a time that, um, and you see, in the Jewish tradition, the oldest one inherits the inherits from the father. So if, as long as Ishmael is around, he's going to be the one who is going to inherit. Hallelujah. And so perhaps Sarah's complaint or Sarah's issue was not even uh, the the, the teasing that Ishmael was teasing um, uh, Isaac. So mothers, they think very far. She did the math 
she realized that this Ishmael guy, he's a hindrance. So the thing bothered uh, Abraham so much, and he couldn't sleep. He lost sleep over this. And the Lord appeared to him and said, you know what? I am the one who said I was going to give you a child in your old age, through your wife Sarah. This Ishmael guy is your own creation. And I am, my blessing shall not be on Ishmael. Even though by human laws and United Nations tradition and based on social security number and date of birth and all those things, he seems to be the one who is. So the solution is, listen to your wife, send, um, send uh, what's his name, Ishmael away and Hagar. It was a very sad situation and we won't go into that. But if, when she was going, she was crying and angel met them. God's eyes was still on them. But you see, there is order to things. And the things of God have a certain order. And if you try to go outside the order, you, 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 you destroy the, 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 the legacy and the destiny that God has ordained. Hallelujah. But you see, the way, the way Ishmael was sent away, you would think that, I mean, if you are, if you are um, ACLU, do you know ACLU? The, uh, what's the full thing of ACLU? They usually fight for civil rights, right? If the ACLU of those days will now sue Abraham <laughs> or, or on behalf of, of, uh, of Hagar, that you have, you have um, what do you call it? You have done injury to Ishmael's and Hagar's civil rights. <laughs> Amen. And before you know it, uh, if it's Abraham is a senator, or before you know it, he's in the news and now child support and a whole lot of other issues. And in a human perspective, that is what it seems like is happening, right? But if you look from Genesis 12, from the beginning, God called Abraham. He said, I will bless you and bless the families of the earth. So it's not an issue of racism. It's not an issue of discrimination that God is against Egyptians or God is against. It's a question of order and divine order. Hallelujah. And so this scripture because you might think that God is only interested in Jews, like direct descendants of uh, Sarah, down, you know, from Isaac to, who, who was there? Isaac to Jacob, uh, down the line. But this scripture, not, because you and I, we don't look any way like descendants of Abraham, do we? Look at the scripture. It is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, that is, to all the descendants of Abraham. See? Not only to those who are of the law. That is, not only to the descendants of Abraham who came through Jacob, the 12 tribes of uh, Israel and Moses and the law. Do you get it? The Old Testament law. But then also those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. So by faith, you and I have become descendants of Abraham. And so, as we begin to dissect and go deep into the mindset of the can-do man, because you see, it says that it says that out of the abundance of the heart, the man speaks. Is that Matthew 12, 36 or so? So 25 statements of a can-do man. The can-do man cannot just get up one day and make these statements. It is these are the things that he has talked, thought about, pondered on, meditated on in his heart. And out of the abundance of his heart, he's making these statements. Hallelujah. Amen. Are you following what we are saying? Yeah. So so faith speaks. There's a scripture that says we all have the spirit of faith. Faith speaks. Your, what you say actually shows what you believe. That is why, that is why if you are a politician, sometimes when the camera is on them, there's a way that is expected you should speak. Do you get it? 
Like, like, like based on your role and your title, it is expected that you should talk a certain way. And sometimes they have scripts for them. And then also, when they are off, the, off camera and they are talking quietly in, in, in their chambers, then their real self comes out. Hallelujah. Only that nowadays, there is no difference between uh, um, people are able to, some people are able to say freely what they think, either on camera or off camera. But it's not traditional. Traditional politicians don't behave like that. Are you listening to me? And so what we are saying is that in, in going down the list of the 25 statements of the can-do man, I do not want you to get the impression that it's a list of points we are trying to memorize. Do you get it? We are trying to change the subterranean waters, the, the, what is been going on with, within you subconsciously. Because what is going on within you subconsciously is what you will say. If we wake you up in the night and somebody asks you a question, it's like, without thinking what you are going to say, this is where the place of faith, the rubber meets the road about faith. Recently, we had a wedding in um, Indiana and I went to officiate. And the cameraman came and said, before the ceremony began, he said that um, he has his camera that he's using to record. But he has a device which is like backup. Do you get it? Which, first of all, when he brought it, it looked like it looked like a cordless, hands-free microphone that we we put on me on Sunday. So so he was hanging it on me. So I thought that is what I was going to use to do the ceremony. He said, No, no, no. This is a video device, but I need to put it on you as backup in case the something happens to the the um video that he's doing this is his fallback and then he said so everything so basically after the thing is on me everything about me is being recorded even before we started the thing as i'm sitting there with pastor francis and we are talking so before he left he said watch what you say because everything <laughs> everything is being if you scratch your nose it's recorded do you get it <laughs> whatever you do and whatever you say is being recorded how would you lead your life if there's a camera on you 24 7 and now what God wants to bring us into is that we should not be caught off guard making statements that are contrary to faith. And how that happens is that, you see, our subconscious, which are called the subterranean waters, like, like, like right now as we are standing here, there could, be, there could be, if you keep digging, there could be water underneath, but you don't see it. Often, what we see at the surface and what people appear like is not what it is. And and we need to let the worst of faith so change us in our innermost being at the subconscious level so that without even thinking, only worst of faith comes to you. Amen. I have uh, an aunt who one time made a statement. Media man cry. Which means that I didn't say farewell properly. And she said that made, that, made that statement in relation to the frustration of life. How life has been frustrating. Hallelujah. And, and um, because you see, if you go, visit, go somewhere and you are leaving, traditionally, if you visit some people and you are leaving, you know, if you are on good terms with the people you want to visit, especially if you are a child or something, when you are leaving, they give you money and parting gifts. Is that not so? So, so my statement that she made is like, in the land of the spirit, when she was leaving, she didn't say farewell properly. So they didn't see her off properly with the enough goose that she should come with. Hallelujah. Now, 
Now, such a statement, sometimes believers make such nkugo statements. Statements of, of I'm a failure. And, and sometimes we say it to ourselves subconsciously. Are you following what I'm saying? But you see that that statement is contrary to the prayer you have been praying. It's working against it. And so the 25 statements of the can-do man, in order for it to be real for you, because we're we, we, we going down a list. What's the first one? All things are possible. We sing it. We have a hill song uh, sung. All things are possible. So you see, we can sing it and dance it in church. But then if it has not gone deep within you, so that within deep within you, that is what you really believe, then it will, it will not benefit you. Hallelujah. What's the second statement? Let us work hard. We are talking about the can-do man works hard. He works hard because he believes that something good will come out of it. If you are drilling a well, right? If you are drilling a well, you know, people who are in oil, oil uh, industry, they, they, they get a piece of land based on, based on um, what do you call it? Based on the test, geological test, that based on the rock, this, the rock geologists and other scientists test it, and they say that based on our test, we think this piece of land has oil on it. Do you get it? But then, once you go there, it's not that the oil is right on the surface. You have to drill. And maybe you drill the first one, there's no oil. You drill the second time, there's no oil. But because they believe so strongly in the test of the scientists, they, it doesn't bother them that the first few times, they will keep drilling. They will keep drilling, drilling, drilling until they hit oil. They are working hard because they believe that there is oil. If they think there's no oil there, why would they spend their investment on, on a piece of land where there's no oil? So, so faith will make you work hard. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? What's the third one? Let us try it. Let us give it a chance. Hallelujah. Let's try it. Let's give it a chance. What scripture did we read last week to illustrate that point? Numbers 13. That is the story of the spies. Hallelujah. So you see that in Bishop Dark's books, when he gives you those points, those points, each of those points are like a hyperlink. In other words, each of those points is a summary or a condensed version of a whole theme of things we are supposed to capture. Amen. Okay, so today we are adding this one. We have nothing to lose. 25 statements of a can-do man. We have nothing to lose. Amen. A people who are always calculating, calculating whether or not they should do something. Always calculating on thinking of how much we will lose. You will not do a lot of things. Amen. There's a, a verse in the book of Proverbs that says that the lazy man will say there's a lion in the way. Do you get it? Because the mindset is that we are thinking more of the possibility of failure. The possibility that we, we will not get anything out of an activity. More than what if we will succeed. Amen. But the can-do man doesn't think like that. The can-do man says we have nothing to lose. So the can-do man is willing to take risk. A person of faith, and in, when you look at the, when you look at the um, story of faith of people in the Bible, you know what? We didn't even get to the thing I wanted to read in Romans. <laughs> so let's go through that. Okay, so at the promise, but I'll be short orders, not only to those, go to verse 17. Okay, listen to this. I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed. Okay, so watch this. We are talking about 
the nature of faith in God. God himself is a God of faith. Look at it. He says that Abraham believed in the presence of him who he believed. God, who gives life to the dead. Okay? Two attributes of God which have to do with faith. Catch this. God gives life to the dead. That's the first attribute. Number two, he calls those things which do not exist as though they did. So pause there. So, so two things that speak to faith. God, what? Gives life to the dead. When something is dead, it is like hopeless. It's like there's no, there's, there's not, nothing else to do. If you look at, if you, if you look at the, um, you know, I've not seen one in a live situation, but if you look at the, uh, um, TV shows or any scenario where you have a, a, a medical personnel attending to the sick. Do you get it? So finally, when, when the, 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 the person dies, you see that they all move away. And they, they, if they, are, they were doing an operation, they will begin to move their hands. Do you get it? Because it has reached a stage that we can't do anything about it. Hallelujah. That is the picture of death. It is the picture. I remember my brother, my older brother, there was a there was a there was a, a, a time he got sick, and and um, there was a moment that I remember that the doctor gave up. Amen. I took him to see the doctor that day. Where we were living was not far from there, so we were actually going to work. So we left the house, right? We left the house, thinking that it's a, a working thing that we can do. But between the time of leaving the house to get there, before we got there, midway through the place, he became very weak and he couldn't walk. And so I had to go and get a taxi. And we walked to the taxi station. And the taxi was full. Are you following? <laughs> the taxi was full. It could only take one person. And so I begged the taxi driver to take him to the clinic. It's a doctor that we knew. It was actually my brother's friend. <laughs> And so I begged there, and then so I, the taxi driver took him, and then I ran to go get there. We didn't have cell phones in those days, so you, you can't call your parents. I had to come back later and tell them. So within a short time, it's like he's fading. So when I got there, they, immediately they had taken him to what you could call ICU, an ICU of some sort, because it's a private doctor's office. It wasn't a big hospital. Amen. So... Then they began to administer things. They began to administer things. And then doctor said there's a particular medicine that we need to go and get. So now we have to order it from... Uh, and I had to run back home, right? And come and tell my parents and then go back. But within a short time, it's like he's fading away right before our eyes. And the medicine that had been ordered was not yet coming. And so there was a mo I remember I was a teenager. I remember there was a moment that the doctor basically didn't have any hope. Uh, because, because my brother has started from the feet up, he started becoming numb. Do you get it? It's like it, it's like it seems like it's climbing. And so the doctor stepped away like that. And my mom is very strong in faith. Do you get it? If it wasn't my mom, if it wasn't my mom, I don't think my brother would be alive today. So my, 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 my mom said that it will work. <laughs> it's like, it's not if she was one of those women who would begin to cry, oh, my son is dying. That would be end of story. My mom convinced the doctor that he will live. It will work. <laughs> it will work. 
Do you get it? And so they started doing many others because you see, there's a point that the doctor, they don't want to add any more effort when they know that. Aha. Uh -huh. So, I mean, my mom insisted, and finally, uh, um, he began to revive. And then the other medicine also came to help. So, finally, when my brother recovered, and we did a celebration party, and we invited the doctor, and the doctor said, he, he stood up and gave a speech, and he said that quite honestly, what you guys are looking at is a miracle. And this boy right here, if it wasn't for this woman and her faith, do you get it? But you see, that's how it is with dead situations. But God gives life to the dead. Amen. Which means that one that thing doesn't look like any good thing can come out of it. So, so we have been invited to participate in the mindset and the heart and the life of God. That, that if God gives life to the dead and he's calling us to have faith in him, even something may be dead, but with words of faith, it will come back to life. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. So, so that is the first aspect that we are learning from here. The second aspect is, God not only gives life to the dead, but then he also calls those things which do not exist as though they did. I don't know which one, I don't know which one is more powerful because the dead is dead. Nothing is working, but you revive it. But this second one is like something that does not exist. He calls it as if it exists. In other words, God is able to create something that doesn't exist and make it appear. So you see, you and I are being called to, to into this life of the supernatural, whereby we do no longer limit our, our choices and the possibilities to what seems natural to our senses. Because even things that don't exist, it can, he can make it appear. One man of God heard him say that if God tells him, so right now as I'm standing here, do you see, do you see a hook uh, that hang, can hang a jacket over there? There's nothing. Only a watch, some couple of purple balloons, and some, uh, what do you call it? Uh, you know, alarm system which may or may not work. I don't know. <laughs> Amen. If God tells you, Kofi, take this jacket and go and hang it by the wall. There's a nail that go and hang it by the oar. If you are a person of the senses, which you only, you only believe what your five senses have seen, you don't see a nail there, you don't feel a nail there, you don't hear anything like a nail, so then you are going to say, Lord, there is no nail there. But I heard somebody say that challenge my faith. He said that if God tells you go and hang a jacket there, go there even though there's nothing there. By the time you get there, there will be a nail. That is the mindset of the person of faith. Because you believe that if God is saying it, God cannot lie. Because God cannot lie, he will have to create what he has said in order to fulfill what he has said. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Are you listening to me? So this is the mindset of the Kanduma, which makes them take risk and say, I will not, we, we have nothing to lose. Look at this scripture. Second Kings chapter 6. A very, very unfortunate situation. We probably may not finish the passage, but it's a very good passage to illustrate this point. Second Kings chapter 6, starting from verse number uh, 26. And it happened after this, that Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, gathered all his army and went up and besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria. And indeed, besieged it until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver and one-fourth of a cup of dove, <coughs> of dove droppings for five shekels. Of, what were people buying dove droppings for? 
So that situation has become so bad that a donkey's head is selling for 80 shekels of silver. One quarter of a, of a container of a dove droppings for five shekels of silver. Then as the king of Israel was passing by on a wall, a woman cried out to him, saying, Help, my lord, O king. And he said, If the Lord does not help you, where can I find help for you? From the threshing floor or from the wine press? Then the king said to her, What is troubling you? So a woman is bewailing and calls on the king for help. Hallelujah. Okay. Now, I'm going to jump ahead, but I want to tell you why the woman was so much in distress. You see, I'm going to jump to chapter 7, but essentially what had happened was that this woman, the famine was so bad that there was nothing to eat. And this woman and her friend had made an agreement. Okay? They had made an agreement that, he said, let's eat your son today. Do you get it? If things are so bad where people are eating their children, it must be really bad. So I don't know what situation you are in that can be worse than this. Amen. This woman said to me, give your son that we may eat him today and we will eat my son tomorrow. Perhaps you should get a big refrigerator and, and, and kill both of them today because this deal is, is very fishy. But the first woman said, let's eat your son today and tomorrow we will eat your, uh, mine. He said that they, he said, so we boiled my son and ate him. I can't even believe how they can eat it all in one day. And then I said to her on the next day, give your son that we may eat him. But she has hidden her son. So you see, this woman brought this complaint to the king. Are you following? All right. And the king tore his clothes because you see, if you are a king and this is happening in your kingdom, you know, it's very distressing. So they brought the matter to Elisha. Okay. They brought the matter to Elisha. Let's jump to chapter 7. Then Elisha said, hear the word of the Lord. That says the Lord, tomorrow about this time, a seer of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel and two seers of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. So here's the word of the Lord. It's like there's a word of prophecy. And the word of prophecy is so contrary to what is happening naturally now. It's like, it's like impossibility of impossibilities. So an officer, look at this, an officer on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, look, if the Lord will make windows in heaven, could this thing be? And he said, in fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. So you see, we are looking at two types of human beings, two types of believers, two types of people. Elisha is the can-do man here. Do you get it? And the other one is the condoned man. I don't know what's the, 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 the officer. Is that the officer on whose hand the king lives? So in other words, he was one of the assistants to the king. Sometimes it's better that you shut your mouth. If you don't believe, just be quiet. But the, the, God, the word of the Lord is saying that there's going to be what? Deliverance from this famine. But there was no specifics as to how it is going to happen. And often that is our problem. We try to analyze the situation to see how is this going to happen. And the natural, there's no explanation. There's no, there's no prognosis. There's no probability as it looks to us. So he, what he said is probably what most people are thinking. But he's the one who volunteered to say something. Okay. Now there were, there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate. So at the entrance of the gate of Samaria, there were four lepers. They're probably sitting there begging. Look at, look at the conversation they said. And they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? 
why are we sitting here until that is a loaded statement it is speaking to a people who have come to the end of themselves who have come to the end of hope who are just sitting there and and to die it's like there's no more motivation to do anything else with myself hallelujah but then the can do person doesn't think like that no matter the state you are in you believe that there's still something possible that you can do you don't resign to a place of hopelessness and uselessness and thinking that that is the end of me. War is me. No. So it, so they began to talk. Why are we seeing this yet to be done? If we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. Now therefore, come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall only die. So listen to their logic. It is a death that could happen. We are either going to be sitting here till we die. If you go into the city, there is famine that we are going to die. But then, they, you see, the thing is that there is a flicker of light that made them make the move. The reason why we are grounded in hopelessness and faithlessness and unbelief is that we only think of the negative as, the, as a possibility. But the can-do person say, look, we got nothing to lose. They analyze the situation, they say, what if we go and the Syrians don't kill us? That possibility made them move. Are you there? But there was also the real possibility that the Syrians could kill them. Because remember, these Syrians have besieged Israel, besieged Samaria. They were not their friends. So then, if we sit here, we die. Now, therefore, come, let us surrender to the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live. If they kill us, we shall only die. And they rose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there. Look at this, verse 6. For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses. The noise of a great army. So they said to one another, look, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. So this is the miracle. God supernaturally caused a noise which made the Syrians run away. Hallelujah. But when these people, lepers were going, they didn't know how God was going to move. Hallelujah. And so when it comes to the quest for faith and the statements of the Kandu man, it resides in the possibility that something good can happen. Something good will happen. If we only analyze and only see bad possibilities, then we will sit still and not do anything. Hallelujah. But they went forward, not knowing how it was going to be, but they just risked it. Faith, somebody said, um, how do you spell the word faith? R-I-S-K. Get it? Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Yes. Because faith in effect is a risk. It's like you are on top of a on top of a, 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 a building that is burning. Do you get it? And the staircase have all bent. And you are at the window. And then and then um, somebody is standing at the at the um, on the on the ground and is shouting, jump, I will catch you. Do you get it? Jump and I'll catch you. So you have a choice. Then at that point, you say, Okay, I weigh. 250 pounds. This person who said they are going to catch me, they look very skinny. They, I don't see any muscle. If, if, they, <laughs> if I jump, what if I jump and they don't catch me? 
And if I, and, and I crash them and I die and they also die. Now, instead of me dying, both of us are dying. So that you see, if you, that is the trail of thought you have, you're going to stand there until you burn. But a person who is what? A can-do person will say, you know, I'm going to jump. I got nothing to lose. Because either I die here by the fire or I die here uh, down there. And even if I die by the fire, they may not find my body. But here, <laughs> I, may, I may have a few things broken. I may, uh, but then there is also the possibility that this person can catch me. A can-do person overcomes things that are negative and has a bright look at life and begins to look at things that it can be this way and it can be that way. Look, Bishop Dag, at the age of 29, they moved to the Coligono building, the first cathedral. I went to watch a movie there before, before it became the Lat House Cathedral. I went to watch him. It's a big baller, a big refuse dump nearby. It's a very rough neighborhood. Amen. It's not a place that you can think that you can make. Eventually, it became the headquarters of Lat House Chapel International after a lot of struggle. Hallelujah. And um, Archbishop Idahosa came there two weeks before he died and prayed for Bishop Dag. And two weeks later, he died. But the things leading up to taking over that place, there was nothing attractive about it. But a person who can see something ugly, no hope, but then out of faith, moves. That is the type of person we are talking about. God is inviting us to look beyond our natural circumstances, to look beyond our history, and look at the history of our spiritual life in Christ. Hallelujah. That now, there's a lot more going for you than what you may or may not have been able to do for yourself physically. You have the power of God on your side. Put your hands together unto the Lord. Let us stand up to our feet. Commit yourself to the Lord and let's bring him an offering. Well, I have a, a phone here with Kruger card at the back. It might be my offering. <laughs> oh, it's, it's your, oh, okay. <laughs> Let us pray. Father, we are grateful to you for giving us a new sight about reality and teaching us faith. Lord, we commit our gifts to you. We commit our offerings to you. We say, bless it. Sanctify it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. <laughs> but Erasmus, are you bringing...